douchebags, we are back to battle in the best ball mania streets. It's August. We are in the drafting home stretch. This is going to be draft number 108 for me today. Yeah, we are dangerously close to the finish line. About 40 days left until the regular season starts. People holding out, people getting injured. Tim Patrick got injured while I was streaming a draft yesterday, Pete. So that was a tough one. But we we dust ourselves off. We get back on. And that's what we got to do with a bunch more drafts hit for both you and me. I like legitimately feel awful about the Tim Patrick stuff. I've been drafting a ton of Broncos stacks. I have more Mims than Patrick, mm -hmm. but I still was uh, even with the field on him. And that poor guy can just not catch a single break. Uh, I truly felt sick to my stomach when I saw that one yesterday. It's tough because like, I think the, the human instinct is immediately look at your exposure and go like, whew, or ah, fuck, like kind of thing. And yeah. that, and I think that feels gross too. There's really no way to handle it. But if you're going to say anything like a guy like Tim Patrick, older guy coming off of an injury, like he does kind of fit the profile of somebody that we probably should have exercised caution on anyway. Yeah. It's just like hard to, you know, predict injuries and like the yes. drum beat on him was like very steady as far as him being a top performer there. I actually think he, him having a really good season was probably going to come at the expense of Cortland Sutton more than anyone. Um, just kind of how those guys are used. Sutton always struck me too, as like a trade deadline candidate. If like Tim Patrick and Marvin Mims really came along well, um, he kind of starts to become expendable there a bit, but now it doesn't seem like that's going to be in the cards. We did hop into drafts bags and people will not be shocked to know that I have the one twelve. like I legit could not buy an early draft slot. I am actually, I did a draft off stream yesterday. I'm up to 12% Justin Jefferson in BBM. So I think all the one-on-ones you're not getting coming right to your old house bags. Yeah, I was going to say, what am I at Jefferson? Yeah, I'm down to 6.7 Jefferson and 7.6 uh, Chase. So I, I'm starting to feel uh, being below expectation there. Whereas on the flip side, who am I heavy on? Yeah, like 12.4 Garrett Wilson, 11.4 AJ Brown. Um, I've been getting my Bijan up a bunch. I've been getting my Eckler up. Um, I guess I still have a good chunk of Cooper Cup there because I have gotten like 103s. But man, it would be nice to get some more 101, 102s. You have the 17 here, which I found to be like a very dicey spot right now as far as kind of like choose your own adventure. Do you take Kelsey? Do you go Eckler Bijan? Do you do the Diggs AJ Brown? Like that? How are you going to attack it here? I like going Diggs, um, and that's it. Kelsey coming off the board. I think makes it easier for me. I think Diggs is a little bit undervalued relative to this one. Um, kind of, I wouldn't say out on Eckler, Pete, but I'm not as into Eckler. I was talking about it with our guy White Lancer in the comments yesterday um, of the YouTube videos I'm doing over on the Splash Play channel, and it's just like Eckler hard to keep that volume, hard to keep that volume in a downfield offense, getting older, contract thing. Like, there's a lot of stuff for Eckler that I feel like he should go closer to to where Chubb is going, who's now safely going in the first round. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to, I don't think I'm going to end up like, uh, overweight him. I'm trying to decide what I want to do here. Chubb comes off the board. Um, I think, I think the AJ Brown Garrett Wilson pairings a little harder to pull off, right? Like just based on where those guys generally go, I've been kind of wanting to get my waddle up a teeny bit, but with AJ Brown falling, I think I'm just going to do AJ Brown Garrett Wilson. Although I was considering, the, the reason I got tripped up there is I was like, could I do A.J. Brown and Jalen Waddle? But that combo is far, far more uh, popular just based on how their kind of ADPs line up. So we'll do the A.J. Brown-Garrett Wilson.
I have a question for you. So my pick's coming up, and I'll make my pick here, and I'm actually going to take uh, the aforementioned Jalen Waddle, who I probably have enough of but still would always like to get more shares because I love Miami. Out of that grouping of guys at the turn, Pete, who do you think is most likely or has the best shot to be a wide receiver one? And it's sort of hard to imagine any of those guys unseating Justin Jefferson. But there's one guy that I, I wrote up yesterday, put a tweet out, so that's a spoiler, I guess. But there was one guy in that range I think really could be a wide receiver one. Great camp reports entering year three. Um, do you have any leans about who could be in that end of end of the turn kind of package there? So when you say wide receiver one, you don't mean top 12. You mean the wide receiver like, one. It could right? be in the hunt. Like maybe not Jefferson, but close to it. Yes. To me, that candidate is Garrett Wilson. I think Ooh, he's yeah. the guy that has the setup for the talent profile, the ability to consolidate the target share and offense that's going to be much better, not a ton of uh, competition for targets. Like to me, he's the guy that checks that box, but he is not a third year guy. So uh, who, who's yours? Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, mm -hmm. has been getting rave reviews at camp, like apparently can't be covered. And the Lions last year were so bad defensively that could be a little bit on them, though they did make some changes there uh, with some of the trades they've made in the secondary. But still, like Amon Ra, great route runner. He was so good in EPA per target, despite getting targets like really close to the line of scrimmage under seven yards uh, in terms of a dot. So he's the kind of player to me that if he does start to get downfield a little more golf, apparently more comfortable in the offense, uh, Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, another year there as a young OC to kind of get better. He fits a criteria of a lot of things and the lions have been a popular team all off season. And I've kind of been surprised that Amon Ra hasn't come up more because he's got so much upside, especially in full point PPR. Yeah. I mean, I like Amon Ra St. Brown. I do think he is to me. Amon Ra St. Brown is going to settle closer to Keenan Allen over the course of his career than he is to Cooper cup, even mm. though we've seen him flash like Cooper cup ups, upside when he's been able to consolidate targets because of injuries and stuff. And it feels bad making a case against Amon Ra, but I, I'll play a little devil's advocate here where I think the start of the season is going to be very nice for him. You got a rookie tight end coming along. Jamison Williams out here throwing punches at practice and isn't going to be playing the first six games. Like it's pretty clear the target upside for Amon Ra. I do wonder as Laporta comes on down the stretch, Jamison Williams gets integrated. Uh, they also start to feature Jameer Gibbs a lot. I wonder if he is going to be able to maintain that elite level target share. I think he's still going to be very efficient with what he does do, but I don't know. To me, he doesn't strike me as like the guy where the offense fully revolves around him in the way that like Cooper cup does. So that's like my only FUD on him. I still think he's a great pick where he's going, but I do think like wide receiver upside is a little more viable for a guy like Garrett Wilson. So I think this is what I realized where we differentiate a little bit in our opinions. And this is something that I was informed by the Bengals situation with them bringing in T Higgins and Jamar chase. And my assumption was that these are two high profile target earners. Obviously, you know, at this point in their careers, you didn't know they were going to be as good as they are. But it ended up being a thing where the EPA numbers for when Chase and Higgins are on the field together, Chase is a better player. I tend to think how that's going to be for guys like DK Metcalf, for guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, that the offense being better is going to open it up for these guys more. And last year, too, Amon Ross was targeted more than anybody besides Tyreek in terms of like guys running 30 routes a game. So I think there's like more of a ceiling there, just less of those one-yard line ankle kind of uh, tackles that he got last year to knock it in the end zone. Um, things can go well for him, but you're on the clock, so I'll, I'll spare you my Amon Ross love. Yeah, this is um, this is pretty wild. Uh, I've been curious to see how some of these guys are starting to fall here. I think what I'm going to do, and I've been wanting to like get up my Gibbs exposure a little bit here. Uh, I think I'm going to double tap Gibbs and uh, Brees Hall here 
And I know we were starting to get some cheaper prices on uh, Brees Hall falling, which gave me like a teeny bit of pause. Um, you know, do you want to get your shares when, if you can get them at 4-3, four, 4-4 four, four, or whatever? He still goes all over the place in my drafts. Like yesterday, he went early third in one of mine, despite the stuff. I continue to be uh, unconcerned with him getting company as it pertains to his late season upside here. So I kind of like the double anchor here from the three, four turn. I've done this with Hall and Jacobs before when those guys were initially sliding and it felt rare. Now, not rare at all that you have concerns with both, but a Brees Hall gives AJ Brown, Garrett Wilson start feels pretty fun here. Yeah, and I got my first Josh Allen Diggs waddle here where Allen fell to me. So despite GA being snarky in the chat, uh, this is the first time I've been able to claim this one. I do not want to take one of Najee Harris and Joe Mixon though. Um, do not have any New England correlation. So I'm going to take a guy that I think is getting steamed up a little bit more. Though, Pete, not great camp reports for your boy Sam Howell. Apparently having a tough time so far uh, executing, much like Desmond Ritter. It's so funny, too, because someone mentioned that in uh, the comment section, and I had legitimately not seen the report, and it feels like I, I had purposefully put my head in the sand and was going <laughs> la, 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 but I had legitimately not seen it. Um, uh, but uh, also, same for Anthony Richardson, apparently, so uh, we're, we're both- No, that's not it. true. He got nose surgery because he wanted to breathe better, yeah. but he hit, did we see the 60-yard bomb he threw to Alec Pierce? Mm. I did. That that was good for Alec Pierce. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that was good for AR, too. Just a flick of the wrist, 60 yards. I think AR is still in good position. I think Howell's in fine position, too. Like, apparently, Brissett hasn't looked that good either. Um, but I do think, you know, sometimes the lack of good camp reports is a, a negative thing. One guy who's getting some good camp reports and moving in the right direction where they're getting better by the day, uh, Jordan Love, making me feel really good about my Christian Watson bags. He had a nice 60-yard bomb to Watson yesterday, and it feels like he's the young guy that – I don't think ever got the requisite amount of heat because he's been in the league long enough that he kind of became a known quantity as a backup um, to some people out there. But I'm really excited for Jordan Love. I think everything's kind of aligning for him. Yeah, I. it is like we should talk about, I mean, like everyone talks about like not overreacting to camp reports, but like the market is firmly uh, reacting to stuff in like a very quick way too. And I knew this was coming. Like the, the Paris Campbell steam from OTAs where he had like two good highlight clips and then he jumped like three rounds from being undrafted to going in every draft. And I was like, okay, the, the market is so frothy for these updates. And now we can, we see it over and over, right? Like Calvin Ridley went from a three, four turn pick mm -hmm. to a two, three turn pick because of a couple highlights on the field, like full stop. And so it is going to be wild right now. I'm trying not to um, react uh, too heavily in either direction to stuff. I find the injury ones to be more interesting. You know, like right now I'm really thinking through how do I want to play Kadarius Tony? Cause you're starting to get some really good discounts on where he was going previously. The guys on ADP chasing, were talking about that yesterday. You know, should he be more in the Jamison Williams tier? He's actually falling past that in some drafts. So those are like the concrete things, how injuries are shaking up depth charts. You even have like Zach Moss and some of these guys, you got the Seahawks running back. So those are the things I want to react to um, and not react to Calvin Ridley looking really good in pads. You mentioned the Seahawks there. Do you have any concerns for a guy that I know we're both pretty heavy on Zach Charbonnet, apparently shoulder issues, which uh, some of the Twitter doctors think could be a labrum issue, which would hold him out a little bit. And obviously he is kind of a sledgehammer back. He's going to use that shoulder a lot. Like, you worried about either Walker or Charbonnet? Um, a little bit, a little bit. Um, I haven't, have we gotten, a, it was basically like Pete Carroll announced the initial injuries and then I haven't seen a follow-up yet on like timelines or severity and stuff. So I'm kind of waiting, uh, for that. Um, 
Okay, I guess the room's going to force me to take Jackson Smith and Jigba for the uh, the millionth time here. Um, He's somebody I want more of, so I'm actually jealous of the fact you align with JSN or go out of your way to get JSN so frequently. Yeah, I think I'm just going to just go full alphas here, and I've been trying to boost up my Kyle Pitts exposure. It's like go time for me to start doing this, which means I am going to start taking him at the 5-6 turn um, when I don't have anything else that really stands out to me here might get shut out at some wide receivers coming back um but what were we talking about oh with uh, the, the seahawks seattle guy. running back so the update was that walker's got a groin issue which they're yeah. less worried about than charbonnet charbonnet's out indefinitely and right now it's kenny mcintosh who's making a lot of the headlines and they've liked kenny mcintosh carol's talked him up a bunch but apparently he looks uh, like a world beater in campus i'm gonna take jk dobbins as my first running back yeah i think i mean last year we had the same thing right with Kenneth Walker in the groin injury. And he went from like, he was getting drafted like um, fairly aggressively and then kind of like bottomed out and turned into like a zero RB candidate who was going in the 11th, 12th round because people were so spooked by that, that groin injury. And then he came back and, you know, crushed. So um, I, I see it as a buying opportunity right now, like no discounts in this draft. I mean, Mike Walker takes him uh, or Mike Walker, Mike takes Kenneth Walker at pick 51. They're married now I, because he pre-drafted him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're, <laughs> Kenneth Walker, after this news at 51, you guys might as well get married. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, I took like a round and a half past ADP yesterday. I am going to be price conscious on these guys. Like, I'm not going to take Walker in the fifth. I'm not going to take Sharbs, you know, in the top 100 picks like I was before. But I'm I'm not crossing those guys off my list and, unless we get like actually negative long-term reports on them. Yeah, I would agree. If anything, I would buy the dip a little bit on Charbonnet just because, you know, if he's out a month, then not great. Obviously, you want to be able to go from week one, but, you know, sometimes these guys are inactive while they're still healthy. Last year, Tyler Algier didn't play, I think, the, at least the first week, if not the first two weeks, and then ends up being a world beater by the end of the season. Um, so that's the thing that I would rely on for Charbonnet. But I do think Kenny McIntosh is draftable because there was already a chance he could have gotten past game work. Now yeah. he's getting this chance to win over the coaching staff. And, and that's one of the things I look for in training camp is just, you know, the rookies who are getting first team reps, the coaches responding well to that. Like, I think those are things that are a positive for the guy who's probably not been drafted more than 1% of the time in Kenny McIntosh. Yeah, let's recap our teams through uh, six rounds here, Spags. I went A.J. Brown, Garrett Wilson, then took two running backs, Brees Hall and Jameer Gibbs, and then came back at the 5-6 turn with Jackson Smith and Jigba and Kyle Pitts. This is one of my, like, just drafting my a bunch of my favorite players. Uh, so this one is feeling fun to me. We'll see if I can stick the landing. You get Diggs and Allen, but are able to sneak Jalen Waddle in there in the second round, which is always nice. You get Terry McLaurin in the fourth, George Kittle, and then J.K. Dobbins. So you and I, pretty similar structure, except instead of a second running back, you got the elite QB. Yeah, which I feel pretty good about. Got some correlations going already. Ones that I don't really have a lot of with McLaurin and Kittle. Um, I do have a lot of Dobbins with any of the Miami guys, but uh, we did have the guy reach for Andrews and Lamar again at the 22 pick and 27 pick. So that boxed me out a little bit there. Uh, but good start for us. And I feel like, too, this room, Pete, uh, boding well for you not having to embrace the tactics you have in your wide receiver avalanche video, where a great video, by the way, if you guys are curious how to handle it, I think, Pete, you probably covered that as in depth as you ever have on a stream. Yeah, I was laughing. Uh, John Warner uh, body bagged me on Twitter saying I had to make a video for creating uh, how to combat uh, the wide receiver avalanches that I helped uh, create, which I didn't really think of it that way when I was making the video. Uh, but yes, uh, check out that video. I think I have it pinned in the chat and in the description here. That's over on the Deposit Kingdom YouTube channel. Uh, so all the live streams are here, but do the pre-produced videos over there. So definitely check that one out. 
when you get a chance. Mm -hmm. I am at the uh, the seven eight turn here, um, trying to think how to play this. I actually have some options I like. Um, I'm wondering if I like want to chase up um, Javante Williams a bit. You know, knowing I had him pretty cheap, I think I'm just gonna like. I want to take my foot off the gas just a teeny bit, um, just structurally here, since I did do the two running backs early. I think Javante would have been a perfectly fine pick there um, at pick 85. I still think he there's meat on the bone for him to be a value. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and grab two more wide receivers here, um, just knowing that I'm not going to like the wide receivers that come back at 9-10, most likely. So I grab uh, Traylon Burks and Elijah Moore. It also gives me outs on a team where I have no quarterbacks yet, where I have a ton of stacking options late. So I got Rodgers, I got Goff, I got Geno, I got Tannehill, um, and I got Ritter. So kind of making, giving myself some outs to, to uh, late stacks there. And I'm going to grab Zay Flowers here. I would have taken Javante if he fell back to me. Would have been a nice little correlation with Quentin Johnson for week 17 there. Instead, I get another Baltimore player in Zay Flowers, who I probably could stand up the exposure on. And in this draft, he goes after Bateman, which I feel like has not happened very often in the last few weeks. No. Yeah, I, I feel like Zay is routinely going uh, before Bateman, which I kind of expected to have happen. Just like the market, just generally, we trend toward liking these wide receivers, uh, rookie wide receivers, more especially with how kind of snake bitten Rashad has been with injuries and stuff. I continue to like both of those guys. I think they're both really nice buys at this price. And the fact that you can take Lamar in the in the third, fourth round and generally get these guys in the eighth round as stacking partners. And if you want both, you just take one in the seventh, one in the eighth. Um, I think that continues to be a really nice uh, angle for high upside teams. So here's the thing that I'm sure is kind of an evergreen question for you, especially if you are going to try to get more pits from Kenny. Explain the pits love. I can't get there at that price. I've been having a little bit of a, I guess, a honestly a bias really more than anything from how we did last year and some of the Ritter camp reports not being great. But it does feel like Kyle Pitts, Pete, should be an important part of a portfolio. You at least get some of just an ascendant tight end who we all loved just a summer ago, let alone two summers ago when he had one of the best rookie tight end years ever. So you want to give your elevator pitch on Kyle Pitts? Yeah, to me, it's, you know, he's the poster boy for a cohort of players that I want, which is I want more access to these non-Travis Kelsey elite tight ends. Um, Mark Andrews. George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, and we can also toss Dallas Goddard in there. Um, although I don't think he has that like sky high upside as some of those other guys, just because he's competing with two really, really good wide receivers. But for me, um, in previous years, those elite tight ends, I mean, Kittle and Waller have gone at the two, three turn. Uh, Kyle Pitts was going in the late second round by the end of the drafting season. And the reason that was happening is because of what the elite tight ends can do in their ability to separate at the position in the playoff weeks. And the thing that people struggle with, and Karain's wrote about this a good bit, and it's true, like uh, this cohort of elite tight ends, probably as a whole, um, are you're going to have lots of landmines in there. But when you do hit on that one or the two, that separate from the position, it is such an outsized advantage in the playoff gauntlet in the way the George Kittle teams just got dragged to the finals last year because the other tight ends, they just cannot keep up with these guys that can drop a 30-burger. And so the other part of it is just like the meta landscape thing. The, the punt tight ends are so in vogue right now, 
And I get it. Like they offer a lot of upside and stacking and projectable volume super late and it's comfy to build it. I've done it a ton. You've seen all my punt tight end builds, but I want to make a conscious effort to buy what I think are very affordable prices for what these elite tight ends offer. And it's hard to pass on some of the wide receivers, right? When you're like, hey, I can just be building out my wide receiver depth. I got tight ends late, but I want to make a conscious decision to be selecting Kittle, Hawkinson, Pitts, Waller, Goddard. And, um, you know, the one thing that gives me pause on Pitts is, is the injury stuff. It's not like Arthur Smith. It's not his talent. It's not even the offense or whatever. It's just like, if he's slow going, coming back from this injury, which there was some of those reports that gives me a little bit of a pause, but my main thing, and I said this after my portfolio review, like I want to be getting more elite tight ends in Kyle Pitts specifically. And I have no problem taking him in the sixth round to accomplish that. Yeah, no, I think that all makes sense. And certainly there is a world where, you know, this Raider stuff, it is camp, you know, being an accurate in camp is not necessarily a good thing, but it's also not necessarily the worst thing in the world. And all the team talk has been about, you know, putting their full faith behind him and all that stuff. But you got two picks on the turn, Pete, who are you going to take? Yeah, I think we're going to have a little bit of fun here. Let's, um, let's go ahead and we'll grab Geno Smith with JSN. And then we will do something that I have not done um, well, we could do, we could do sharps. We could do sharps with him. First, let's grab Gino. I'm basically debating, do I want to go two tight ends that I have not paired together yet this year in Pat Fryermuth? I think I am going to go that route because I want to, I had just said, I want to play the sharp fall a little bit. I think I got him at like 114 or 115. Let's get two of my favorite tight ends on the same team. We'll go Pat Fryermuth. We build out that stack, Gino, JSN, Fryermuth coming back. And again, mixing up my builds, I'm almost always doing three tight ends. Not that I couldn't do a three tight end build here um, if it makes sense as far as like the best player, but certainly can stop at two tight ends with Pitts and Fryermuth. Yeah, and I picked up two here, which I'm pretty happy about. Love Star saying, Allen, two is such a strong team. Hard to top it. I, I feel like I'm building a really good team, Pete. And I don't know if you're feeling this way too, where all the drafting I think we did in, you know, April, March, like May, all these time periods where it was like, you know, sharp rooms, everybody in there. Now you're stepping in and, and maybe it's different because you're on stream more, but um, these drafts I feel like are a lot easier to navigate than some of the ones we've dealt with the entire off season. Well, yeah, because I think when the mark, when the, the market was stale because there wasn't news, we had what that like basically two to three week kind of dead period before training camp started up and, like everyone who's drafting were sickos. Like there was not a lot of stuff that was kind of moving the board around. And now I feel like the board is getting moved around in a way where I have lots of options in pockets of the draft where I normally didn't have options. Like I've talked about this 84, 85 range of being the wide receiver cliff where there were drafts where Zay's off the board, um, Bateman's off the board, Elijah Moore's off the board. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, Burks is falling because of Hopkins. Um, you know, we have other, um, guys getting pushed up here. And, and now all of a sudden it's like, I have options for Burks, Elijah Moore, Javante, Rashad Bateman, Zay, all at this turn. Like it does feel like things are shaking up in a way where at least the guys I like to target are more readily available. Uh, and I'm not having to like reach to make, you know, what feels like gross picks. Yeah. And I think, you know, that it's honestly, I think a couple of the factors like that, what you're talking about, as well as just, you know, if you do put your time in and kind of build up your muscle memory a little bit more like Zach here in the chat saying, I definitely uh, feel like my drafting has improved over the summer. I say it a lot, but the more you do these drafts, like, you know, put in a bunch of slow puppies, if you want, like just get your fingers ready to go before you kind of get into a BBM and start wasting money or chucking money into that one. 
Um, but I think just knowing the pockets and NSP talked about just following the news, aligning with things um, like Devin A-Chain, I think should be on the way up after he's breaking 60 yard touchdowns. And I feel like guys like him and Kendra Miller, Pete, making me feel pretty good about the bags we've packed. Yeah, I was talking about the Dolphins backfield on Best Ball Breakfast yesterday that, you know, I, I was having a hard time articulating it. But what I was trying to say was like, you have all of these teams that because of the specter of these free agent running backs, specifically Dalvin Cook, like all of their prices are cheaper than if you told the market Dalvin Cook is not going to be on the Dolphins. You'd see A-Chain, Moster, and Jeff Wilson all immediately rise. If you told people Dalvin Cook is not going to be on the Jets, Brees Hall would immediately rise. If you said the Patriots aren't signing Dalvin Cook or Zeke, Ramondre would immediately rise. But all of these discounts are being applied unilaterally across the board. And because the, the odds are that 66% of those backfields Dalvin Cook is not going to be on. I'm happy to roll the dice and continue to target all of those discounts knowing, okay, maybe one of those is a landmine. Maybe one of those you do get cheaper prices on that back or backfield because of the signing. But on the teams that he doesn't sign, you are getting such a windfall of both closing line value and upside. And so to your point on a-Chain, Mostert, Wilson, those guys remain you know, priority targets for me. Although it is going to get a little harder to get A-Chain um, just with him dominating camp. Like we had stretches where he was going in the early 120s. He goes 114 here to you, which still feels like a good price. But um, he might be just such a camp all-star that we don't get a lot of cheap stuff from him. Yeah, I'm very glad that I've gotten a lot of him so far in the offseason. And actually, one guy that I would like to have get to get more of down the home stretch is Dalton Kincaid, who goes at 128 here. A lot of positive camp reports for him. But Pete, you got two picks. What are you going to do? Yeah, I'm going to take uh Rashi Rice with one. I still think his ADP should be coming up a little bit more um, in relation to the Kadarius Tony news. I kind of want to continue to play this Chiefs um, wide receiver room through a bunch of different guys here. Um, so I'm going to grab Rashi Rice. I'm trying to see what I want to do with this next pick. Tight ends wiped out. Nothing I need to do here with quarterback. Um, no other wide receivers I want. So I am looking at a running back. I'm still very much not in on McKinnon. Um, yeah, running back got kind of wiped out. Let's, um, I think Jamal Williams like pairs kind of nicely with a Brees Hall Gibbs room where I really love those guys as late season upside, but I think you could certainly have question marks with those guys out of the gate. You know, if Gibbs comes along slowly, Brees is getting ramped up to speed or whatever. So I'll bank some, um, some volume there with Jamal Williams early. And guys, make sure you hit the like button here on Pete's channel. Pete dangerously close to 15,000 subs. And of course, when he does hit 15,000 subs on here, there will be a giveaway of $1,500 to three different people. So 500 bucks each. So make sure to leave a comment and all that stuff too. I know Pete, I've been seeing people cram last minute, jamming in a bunch of comments on some of the old, uh, old streams that we've done. And uh, now is the time to do it. You got to get your max entries in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I saw it's, it's always funny. Cause I, I spend my, my usual, you know, 30 or 40 minutes a day replying to all those. And I both, uh, am happy. And then also like, Oh my God, here we go. When I see that someone is going all the way back to the beginning of the playlist. Cause I'm like, all right, here's 50 comments. Um, I'm replying to, but no, keep the comments coming. Uh, I, it is fun to, uh, to see all those coming in. And yeah, like Spag said, we're almost, uh, 400 subs away. So, uh, I think with August here, my, I would really, I think, I think if we make a big push, I think we can hit it in the next couple of weeks. I would love to hit it so we can do that giveaway. And then I want to do some other like giveaways beyond that. Once we get it, uh, I got some merch stuff we can do. I'm, I'm just ready for a new promo spags. I'm, I'm ready to hit 15 K 
move on with my life, give out the $1,500, and we are very, very close. So if you guys aren't subscribed, subscribe to the channel and get entered into that giveaway by leaving comments on any of my streamed uh, Best Ball Mania drafts, and I do have that playlist on the homepage that makes it easy for you guys to find those. Yeah, and then you can do a Willy Wonka-style giveaway where anybody who subscribes gets a golden ticket, and then you can have them into your sauna, maybe. <laughs> Wow, it sounds like you have thought this through and maybe you are hoping to win a ticket into my Oh, that's what, yeah, that was me like, I'm um, to have a bunch of anonymous accounts and log on and be like, Pete, you got to do this golden ticket giveaway where somebody gets to hang out with you in your sauna. Yeah, uh, I don't know uh, if there's a number that I could could value that at, um, partly to sell my wife on it. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll find out what Lauren's number is for that giveaway. Um, yeah. But speaking of like saunas and sweats, I extended this invite to you Last week, I'll extend it again. We got like, I think just a couple more bikes left at the Underdog Cardio Club live event. I'm going down to, uh, going up to New York on, uh, is it up or down? Jesus. Going down to New York uh, on uh, on um, Friday. And that event's going to be, I believe, at 4 p.m. in the afternoon in uh, in Brooklyn. So if you're interested, Spout, you should come up. Do Come, come up there. We got um Karain's gonna be there Mike Zakarian we got Nick Ercolano Andy from the club top shot so it's gonna be a good crew we are I that's right in daycare time and we only have one car so that's the issue with me uh, having ever doing anything and that you know like also to be honest driving two and a half hours to do cardio maybe not my idea like it'd be great to see a great to see Karain and all those guys great guest list for the event and if you are local there if you're I think Tyler's flying is, is that is that a thing is he coming yeah up? Tyler's coming up from Houston yeah so lots of big names going to be there for sure. But for me, you know, like I, it's hard to justify driving two and a half hours and having to get the, the day pass from the baby duty. I think is a tough part. It, it blew someone's mind. I think it was in one of my comments. I don't know if you saw it. Someone could not believe that we had never met IRL before. Uh, same with, with Brick from Lowell's. Another guy I've done tons and tons of content with that I've never hung out with in person. Yeah, it's one of those things where I, I think people see the rapport we have and, you know, and obviously Pete and I have been doing this a lot together and I think I've become uh, closer friends throughout the process of doing the show. But I think that's the thing is that they expect that this banter comes easily from just friendship. And no, it's been hard work us having to learn how to be nice to each other and, and palatable. And it sounds like you're worried that that chemistry won't transfer over IRL, that we'll have each other just in headlocks, giving each other noogies and stuff like that. It just will be too adversarial. Exactly. You'll hate me too much. and It'll ruin the relationship completely. No, it's more just laziness. Like, I, and then, you know, the fact that I have to be like, hey, Alex, can you do the baby duty and pick him up from daycare and whatever? And it's like, I don't want to use my free ticket for, for that. I'm saving my ticket to go to an all-inclusive at some point. There you fall. go. Exactly. Um, all right, let's see here. I'm definitely taking Roshan uh, with one of these picks. Need a running back. Love this price on Roshan. Correlates with Kyle Pitts in week 17. Trying to figure out what I want to do here with another piece. If there's any, no quarterbacks I'm sitting on here. My wide receiver room's in good shape. We can maybe wait to build out a double stack later. <sighs> let's see the running backs here. I think what we'll do, we kind of have this double mini correlation here on the Jets and the Browns game. We got Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson, as well as Elijah Moore. Or do I want to get Singletary? Let's do Singletary, actually. I do have the Tennessee um, trying to build out some more running back touches here, I think makes sense. Um, so we'll get Singletary and Traylon Burks. And now my running back room is Brees Hall, Jameer Gibbs, Jamal Williams, Roshan Johnson, Singletary. I don't know. I think, I think I got like bored with Singletary in that 
I was hammering him throughout a lot of draft season, especially the early contests. I should pull up what my exposure on him is in like the big board and stuff. Um, he has inched up a little bit, but he's just a name that I don't get like super jazzed up about, but I still think he's a very good pick. It's just because he came up like 20 spots. And I think at the 170s, 180 range that he was going in a lot before, like it just felt way too cheap. And now it's like, okay, he's appropriately priced. I'm not necessarily dying to go out of my way to get him is um, how I'd feel about him. Um, I'm on the clock here, though. I have a 2551. Do need to get more receivers in, but this is not the greatest pocket for me to get a receiver. Mm, yeah. Uh, hold on. Okay. I guess still available. I'm going to take one more running back here to get to six just because I feel a little bit light. The Dobbins hold in worries me enough that I just want to get one more body in, but we'll take Jerome Ford. Who's not killing it at camp or anything, Pete, but just involved enough that it's like, at least, you know, he's going to get the role that we think he's going to get. Yeah. Um, I was debating Ford there. I was like Ford Singletary. Um, and went Singletary. I, I still like Ford. He, he was interesting because I thought him and like Jalen Warren were on the similar trajectory with their ADP. And then like Warren just stayed fixed up where he went. And then Ford actually kind of like swung back down. So a lot of people were kind of like pushing back on like the Ford ADP after the rise. I, I find it to be a very fair price. And one other dynamic you see that you're able to get Ford where you do is Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert going ahead of where they normally do in drafts. Right or I, let me ch- let me make sure Mostert's ADP. Where's Mostert ADP compared? Uh, One sixty six. So yeah, he goes you know almost a full round ahead, and Wilson goes what almost two yeah. rounds ahead of where he goes. So um, uh, maybe my little uh, Miami Dolphin pep talk there uh, helping, but uh, I think Ford there is a is a very nice pick. Yeah, I'm, this is the highest I've seen Wilson go in a draft the entire offseason, I feel like. Yeah. It, it is weird that there's been, I, I do truly think like the dolphins are of the like three main candidates for Dalvin cook landing spots based on the, um, the trade market or the betting markets. I do think the dolphins are the least likely of those three. Um, and you start to hear our, our guy crack rock out here, kind of reporting some stuff on what Dalvin cook is asking for, um, that he's wants like a three-year contract, all this guaranteed money, like if a team caves and gives him that, it is not the Dolphins. The Dolphins are not caving and giving him that kind of money. And I, I just find it extremely unlikely. I think Dalvin Cook's best bet at this point is to wait and see how some of these holdouts play, the Jonathan Taylor stuff, the Josh Jacobs, see if he can swoop in there and give a team an easy alternative who wants to like cut ties or something. Um, but I, I still do not see it with the Dolphins, and I will – continue to uh to target those guys and i don't even think that's a bad price like jeff wilson should be going where these guys are going here um so even though you're you're jumping adp i think you're getting ahead of a, a movement that's relatively inevitable i think he's been the exact same bet as most hurt the entire time it's just that people viewed them in a tier for some reason but like a chain's coming for both of them but if a chain doesn't get there like one of them is probably gonna have a great year I mean, the Dalvin stuff, I don't know if you're with me on this, Pete. I feel like all the Dalvin and Zeke stuff is just sending a message to backup running backs like, hey, you know, keep on the straight and narrow, get better or else. Like, because there were things like with the Patriots where they mentioned, hey, you know, we got to see more out of Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris to feel good about this. Then they bring in Dalvin Cook and they're like, yeah, we're going to kick the tires and maybe sign a veteran running back if these guys don't step up. I just feel like Dalvin Cook and Zeke are just these like checkoffs running back now that are hovering around out there and we'll sign somewhere at some point but I don't think these teams actually want him. Yeah. 
I mean, I think they're they're fine, like to add some depth at a cheap price, but there's just such a gap between what a team's going to be willing to pay for him and what what they think he's worth. Yeah, I agree. Also, I need to point out there, I did eschew uh, Dawson Knox and Tyquan Thornton thought that uh, Knox would fall back to me. He's not, but it's also really bad camp reports on Thornton. But Pete, you got two picks here. What are you going to do? Yeah, I'm going to grab another running back. Probably my last one. Um, I think uh, I think what I'm going to do is I don't want to get like boxed out of quarterback too hard. And so what I am going to do is I'm going to grab Ryan Tannehill to get that stacked up because if I look at ADP here, you know, I pick at next time I pick is 204. And if both of my quarterback targets get wiped out, um, I will feel pretty gross about that. So I don't see a ton of opportunity costs, like based on the board and my structure here. Um, I am now at a two, six, six, two build. So I got Geno Smith and Ryan Tannehill running backs, Brees Hall, Jameer Gibbs, Jamal Williams, Roshan Johnson, Singletary and Chuba feel good about kind of like balancing out the Roshan Gibbs Brees trio with a Jamal Williams Singletary Chuba trio, as far as kind of like what I consider more bankable production. And then wide receivers, AJ Brown, Garrett Wilson, JSN, Traylon Burks, Elijah Moore, and Rashi Rice, tight ends, Kyle Pitts and Pat Fryermuth. And so now to stick the landing, I can probably do, I could do a third quarterback. I'm definitely doing a seventh wide receiver could potentially do eight wide receivers. I think I got some room to play with. You are also at two, six, six, one right now. Do you want to mirror my build with a tight end selection? I'm thinking one more receiver, two more tight ends in what order. I am not sure about that one. Um, Mike, Mike is sick or Hunter Henry. Who do you prefer? Uh, I I'm more on the Gesicki side. I think both are good picks. Um, but I I'm more titillated by, uh, by Mike Gesicki. All right. I'm going to take Mike Gesicki here. Um, I don't really think you normally need a three tight end build with Kittle, but I do feel like I've kind of covered these other positions well enough that a three tight end build, uh, seems kind of appealing to me here, but I have the optionality now. I feel like Kittle and Gesicki, not the greatest two tight end room in the world, but because you have Kittle, I don't think I need a third tight end, uh, but I have the do option. You know that, uh, a Kittle Gesicki tight end room, you know, maybe one one of our colleagues and friends, two million dollars on underdog fantasy last year. Oh, that's right. I that's right. <laughs> I had Kittle who would advance me in underdog's finals too. And I had Cole Komet was my great white hope. Um, who put up like an okay day, but a classic Cole Komet day that just meant nothing. Yeah, it it, uh, it it certainly happens. Yeah, happens a lot with Cole Komet, but he got paid, so we're gonna be mad about. It. Um yeah, I think we've built solid teams here. I, I just, I love drafting teams this time of year. Like I've said it before, like I know Pete can't do it because he's on stream, but drafting after 10 p.m. on Underdog or on DraftKings is going to give you some weird teams, um, some weird pockets of ADP value. But um, best time of year to draft right now on Underdog would be uh, would be right now. Yeah, I'm I'm excited too because I don't need, I think we've only seen the tip of the iceberg as far as like ADP shakeups. You know, if we if we have guys, think about this like. If we have Calvin Ridley moving up an entire round because of a few like slow-mo 4K uh, highlight reels from the Jags uh, social media account, imagine what happens when some of these guys start torching in the preseason game. I'll tell you what happens. It's what happened with Kyle Pitts last year when he dusted that linebacker for like that 50-yard touchdown and myself included was was chasing him up draft board. So we're going to see some fun uh, action starting to fly. And it is crazy, Spags. The first, The Hall of Fame game is a week from Thursday. It's next Thursday. So we are very close to having actual box score stuff and stats that is going to impact how people view these guys. As people are asking here, uh, our boy, uh, OG man's fan here, Jason asking, will Pete and Spags be degenning preseason DFS? Are you going to take the leap at all in any preseason or is best ball enough for you this time of year? 
I honestly do not think I'm going to have the bandwidth for preseason DFS. I'm having to scale back a bunch of stuff. Um, we've added a bunch of stuff over on ship chasing. We got a busy month on ta- for fantasy life, which is, um, you know, now's time for me to make kind of a bummer announcement. Um, I'm not going to be able to do the, uh, the double headers on Tuesdays here going forward, but Spags, you are going to be keeping the double headers going and you're going to be expanding your basketball coverage. Did I see you're going to be giving the people five best ball drafts a week? Yep, doing five days a week on the Splash Play channel, including right after this draft. We'll be heading over there. It'll be an automatic redirect, so you don't have to do anything. But yeah, trying to up my quantity here, trying to embrace my inner Pete and give away some EV in the process. Um, I'm on the clock, though. Need to make one more pick, at least, I think, at receiver. Um, I'm going to take a guy that I think has fallen out of favor but has had some nice camp reports. Deontay Hardy, moving around the Bills mm. formations a lot. Um, I need one more Allen Stack partner, so he's the one I'm going to go with. I took uh, on my second draft on Best Ball Breakfast yesterday. I did uh, the Bills onslaught, and I did I did Hardy uh, as well. Um, I think that's a a fun pick. I'm trying to balance it. I still like Shakira a lot, but I do want to make sure that I'm more even on those. Like if I had to pick how my distributed those guys, I'd want like 65% Hardy and like 30 or sorry, 65% Shakira and 35% um, Hardy. But if you're always playing it off of ADP. You're only going to end up with the uh, the top guy in Shakir. So this is an interesting spot here. Yesterday, I missed out on Bryce Young. I was fully prepared to take Ritter as my third quarterback here, but I think what I'm going to do is I already have Chuba. I don't have any Jacksonville bring back. I will survive on that. But I'm going to do Bryce Young as my third quarterback and then get to three Panthers with Terrace Marshall and Chuba. So I end up with a 3-6-7-2 build here. Terrace Marshall, another guy too, that I know we've talked about. We both like taking in the 18th round, uh, nothing going crazy in training camp for him, but he has made a lot of plays Been working with the first team. So I think he's still a nice safe pick here to be taking that should have a role and some opportunity to grab even more of it. Um, and definitely I would not take Adam Thielen, Pete. I've seen Adam Thielen go in the top 80 recently in both DraftKings and underdog. And I think that is one of the biggest mistakes I've seen in any draft. Yeah. Did, have I capitulated? I think he's one of the few guys I've been able to hold out 0% here. Yeah. You know, I've had like Pat force me to take some Odell, take some Zeke, you know, stuff like that. But I am, I am holding strong. I, I, I will not let it get, maybe I need to put this on the record because I, I like to let my guests dictate the pick. I need to have one thing where I maintain my values and my morals. And that is going to be not selecting Adam Thielen across any best ball mania for drafts this summer. Didn't you already do one at some point? Mm-mm. No, I, okay. just I don't think I yeah. have either. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'll, I'll confirm that. I thought I'd seen you do it once on a draft where somebody talked you into it. It um, might have not. It, maybe it wasn't a best ball mania one, but it, maybe I have way. I have 1% Adam Thielen. I have one share, uh, $25 spent on Adam Thielen and best ball mania. What, what is going on with Brock Purdy in here? GA, I'm wondering at two ADP of 168. Um, I mean, I know that he had like a bad day at training camp mm-hmm. yesterday, but uh, he's going, he's going undrafted. I would have happily, you know, my whole thing, it's like, if I have Niners, if I have a CMC, Kittle, Debo, IU, even Eli Mitchell, or if I'm playing anything through the Washington, I mean, as people know with how much I take Sam Howell, like if I have anything in that game, those guys are both on my radar, but I did not have any pieces from that game. So he does slip all the way through the cracks here. It looks like he's going to go undrafted. 
Yeah, it's odd to see Baker Mayfield get drafted. Or your our pal Sam here, who had a great show in <laughs> basketball breakfast, taking Baker Mayfield. Mayfield apparently, Pete has thrown like five picks <laughs> in training camp so far to to one for Kyle Trask. So you're really getting him buying the dip on Baker. I think we need to read. You know how like they say, you know, like point guards are high usage guys in NBA. Like they, if they have a bunch of turnovers, it just means they have the ball a lot, and those are all your right. best players. I think that's how we need to spin it. You know, Baker's out there getting all the first team reps. You know, he's slinging it around. So yeah, the interceptions are going to come, but we just need our guy out there. Maybe that is like the upside case for Baker Mayfield if he just becomes our generation's. Jameis Winston in that offense where it's like, you're gonna have a ton of interceptions, but just fucking sling the hell out of the ball. Our generations, Ryan Fitzpatrick, let's go old school Tampa Bay quarterback where you have all these turnovers, but the offense is still vaguely fun because they simply have no shame about throwing INTs. Fun fact, what actually what made me rethink everything about best ball was that first summer I was starting to do it more with you and I had taken too much Ryan Fitzpatrick in the move to Washington and I was like, wow, I need to really go back to <laughs> square one with everything. So I always have a soft spot for Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he's the kind of player that, yeah, I would love Baker a lot more if you're Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, let's uh, let's recap these teams for the audio listeners here. Spags, this is my 108th Best Ball Mania draft. I end up with a 3-6-7-2 build. Geno Smith, Ryan Tannehill, and Bryce Young at quarterback. Running backs, Brees Hall, Jameer Gibbs, Jamal Williams, Roshan Johnson, Devin Singletary, and Chuba Hubbard. Wide receivers, A.J. Brown, Garrett Wilson, JSN, Traylon Burks, Elijah Moore, Rashi Rice, and Terrace Marshall. Tight ends, Kyle Pitts, and Pat Fryermuth. I like this team. I get the Geno skinny with JSN, the Fryermuth bring back. We get Tannehill skinny with Burks and the Singletary bring back. And then we got Bryce Young with Chuba and Terrace Marshall got some other mini correlations in there with the Jets and the Browns as well, Chicago and Atlanta. And I also kind of accomplished a fun thing here, getting two uh, top 10 tight ends as opposed to uh, a punt tight end build in Kyle Pitts, Pat Fryermuth. So I like how this team shook out. What did you end up doing here? A QB, I got Josh Allen at a little bit of a fall, two at even more of a fall. Running back, Dobbins, A-Chain, Khalil Herbert, Tank Bigsby, Tyler Algier, and Jerome Ford. So a little bit of a modified zero RB there. Uh, Stefan Diggs, Jalen Waddle, Terry McLaurin, Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers, Devontae Parker, uh, Parker, and Deontay Hardy at receiver. And a tight end, Kittle, Kasicki, Smythe. Um, definitely got some weird picks at the end of the draft, but ones that did correlate for me. Um, I think I went a little more game stacky than you, but I think once again, Pete, I feel like we've both built good, competent teams, which is really all we can ask in these streams at this point. Yeah, I like your team. I think the only thing I would have done differently is I probably would have converted Smythe into a seventh running back. Um, I think just with this profile thing, you got like a bunch of like true handcuff guys, guys that might not have a role out of the gate. Who knows what's going on with Dobbins? I think you might end up uh, struggling a little bit for some early season production. But if you could get this team through, it looks exactly like a team that can break at the right time. But I do like worry a teeny bit about early season running back production. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think I'm hoping Dobbins is the guy that actually ends up getting out there and playing. Uh, right now it's a hold in for him. It looks like not really hurt, uh, but wants to get some money. And this is the best way for him to approach it, he thinks. Um, so to me, he's a guy that I'm viewing as just a little bit undervalued because of that. Um, and Khalil Herbert, by the way, working with the starters so far. So it's not looking like Roshan will have that early week role that we thought there was a chance he could have. Yeah, I think it, I, I still don't really read into almost anything with like first team reps, second team reps like this early. I think the the far more actionable thing we'll see is the usage in the preseason games. That's when we really start to see like how these teams view 
these players and what their role is on the team. And then, you know, who's the, who are the starters that are actually sitting in the second half of games? It's like when you start to see like, oh God, Roshan's playing into the third, fourth quarter. This guy needs the reps. He's not, you know, solidified on the team yet. That's where I start to really start to consider this depth chart stuff. I think it would be a positive if he were working with Herbert instead of Foreman, but they paid Foreman offseason money. So like, obviously they're going to get the first crack. I mean, I'm not worried about Roshan, but you know, the positive signifier is definitely a thing that I always look for as well with the camp reports. But Pete, give the plug one more time. The big sell, of course, you are hovering right around 15,000 subs. You've been grinding all offseason long to get there and uh, about as close as you're ever going to get at this point. Yeah, like I said, I want to, we're, we're getting so close to being done with this. We're at uh, 14,586. So we're 14 away from 14.6, 414 subs away from 15K. So if you guys are watching this channel and not subscribed, get subscribed now. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the Splash Play channel where Spags is going to be hopping over to do a draft uh, right now. And then, yeah, for me, check out that wide receiver avalanche video. Even if your draft rooms are not as crazy as mine, I think you will appreciate some of the tactics and kind of the trends in this ADP landscape and give you some ideas for different types of builds that you can execute depending on the flavor of your room. And then the only other thing for me today is I am going to be doing the Fantasy Life uh, office hours in the Discord. That will be at uh, 3.30. No club today. Uh, we had Andy traveling, uh, Clay traveling. But I'll do one more plug. Uh, we still had a couple more spots left for the Underdog Cardio Club live event. If I can't get Spags there, maybe one of you can join me, join Tyler, join all those other guys. Um, if you check my Twitter, I tweeted out a form that you can fill out for interest and then they'll follow up for you. Like I said, we got a couple bikes left. Uh, going to be a fun time. We're going to draft. We're going to sweat, go out, get some beers and dinner after. So uh, join me in New York if you're in the area on Friday. Oh man, beers and dinner. Now you're speaking my language. If it were only the underdog dinner and beer club, then I would be you, willing Spags, to- You can just show up for that portion if you'd like. I, I will oh. extend that por- uh, oh. invite to you as well. I'll talk it out with the wife and I will get cucked about it, I think as well. <laughs> That's going to go, but we'll give it a shot. But follow Pete at Peter Overs at at, at Peter Overs at follow me at Chris Spags. Follow the show at Splash Play Pod and go head over to that channel right now at Splash Play Pod on YouTube. I'm going to hop into a draft immediately after the stream and you can get a little bit of a solo flair. I'll talk all that shit about Pete that I can't say in front of his face. Yeah, please do. Please do. Don't worry. I got all the little snitches out there that will let me know. We'll see you guys. Hello, everyone, and it is another day here on Splash Play Drafting, a team in Best Ball Mania for Underdog Fantasy's flagship tournament. You can see I am already in the waiting room on here. Just came off of the first half of the stream with my pal Pete Overzet, so make sure to check out the stream over on his channel, of course, and make sure to leave a comment to get an entry into his giveaway. You can see we got a bunch of spots here actually left available, so if you were trying to get some of that sweet, sweet streamer EV for me, feel free to hop into a draft. Underdog's Best Ball Mania, of course, $3 million to first place. If you use the promo code SPLASH, you can double your deposit up to $100 on Underdog. Great way to build your bankroll and get some more entries in. But we are filled now, and let us see how influential I am after hitting a stream. Uh, not influential enough, apparently. Sam Duell gets the 101, a great place to draft Baker Mayfield. I'll be drafting the five spot here. I'm very excited to have you guys with me here. High energy after doing the stream with Pete. Uh, so that's how I'm feeling today. And a shout out to everybody hanging out in the chat. Our boy Tyler already squirting. <laughs> All the boys are squirting here, ready to get it going. I appreciate you guys hanging out here today. Um, I also need to update the overlay thing. That's okay. Um, Either way, we'll see what we get here in the middle of the draft. Just had a middle of the draft pick last time out on Peach Channel. Uh, I think built a very competent team around Diggs, Waddle, Josh Allen. Uh, Here it is going to be a different situation where 
I don't like taking the same players in two straight drafts. So hopefully I'll get something that aligns nicely here, but a lot of badges. So might have to fight off the wide receiver avalanche. We shall see. Made in this one, 11, uh, one eleven, two drafts in a row. There we go. So we can see, play along with Jeremy drafting in the 11 hole. Oh, Jeremy, you're the icon. I always forget that. Uh, sometimes Jeremy does some drafts that I very much like. And sometimes Jeremy goes off the deep end. It does some weird shit. So we're going to see how Jeremy does in the 11 hole here. Let's hear all the PT. Yes, that's exactly what we're here for. I'm going to gossip about that ne'er do well Pete Overzet. Uh, no, I, I'm ex I'm excited for Pete to have his 15,000 subs. That's what I've been looking forward to. Living vicariously with that, of course, on Splash Play. We're pushing towards 3,000 subs, which would also be nice. And I think, guys, this is a combo I'm not getting a lot of. I think this is going to be a day where we try to get some Chiefs, try to get some Travis Kelsey, try to make up from all of the bags of uh, of Kadarius Tony that I have packed all offseason long. Um, that is going to be what I'm going to try to build around today. Uh, but we will see um, harder to push Patrick Mahomes further down. Uh, last draft, I was able to get Josh Allen at, I think, 31. Uh, Mahomes, I have not seen go at 30-plus in many drafts overall. So that's a situation for me that I think uh, might have to get Mahomes at 19 to lock him up. But we will make that decision when we get there. We'll see what everybody else gives us. Eckler going at seven, Bijan at nine. Normal room so far. Nothing too crazy for us, despite the, the profluence of badges here in the room. Is that a word? Hard to say. I hate drafting Kelsey teams. I think it is a very uncomfortable feel to draft Kelsey teams. That's why, honestly, I probably need to up my exposure there. Um, my Kelsey exposure overall in best ball mania is at 6%. Um, so I would like to get to at least the fields 8%. On that one, um, a player that getting older, not a great thing for any any player. Obviously, we talk about that a lot. The Tim Patrick thing, you know, again, not to victory lap injuries. I hate when people do that, too. But older players, just the wear and tear on the body, especially, you know, a tight end um, where a guy who's blocking on half of his time out in the field. Not the best thing for Travis Kelsey over the course of a career. That said, you know, you are always drafting for the upside. You are always drafting for the best case outcomes. And the best case out for Travis Kelsey now is that all these guys are bringing in to replace the production that they had last year at receiver. Uh, maybe they're not going to be able to do that even as well as they did last year. Kadarius Tony being hurt, uh, not a great thing in terms of their planning. So there's still definitely reason to want Travis Kelsey and to want to go there. But um, let's see what we can do here. So this room... Normally in a badgy room, you can push your QB a little bit. And I think we're going to see if we can do that. I'm going to reach for T Higgins here. And you guys know, I love reaching for week 17 correlation, or at least getting it early and locking it up a little bit. Um, I think people might be afraid to do that with Kelsey and Higgins a little bit more than they, they should be. Uh, so we'll see here. I'm not expecting to get Mahomes back with this move. If I got him back, that would be great. If I don't, though, it's fine here. I got my tight end correlated with the uh, with a guy who I think can be a wide receiver one, if not uh, probably nominally the 1B on Cincinnati. Kelsey feels like a brand pick to me. Interesting. If you are making your brand with Travis Kelsey, I mean, the separation of elite tight end is hard to ignore. So certainly something that I would have no issue with. Do I have any hyper-fragile running back builds? Three through four. Not my preferred style of draft, Benjamin. I think this year, um, certainly more viable to be able to do that. Um, it's one to me where I still think that that is a very cozy way to draft for a lot of people out there. We'll see uh, what the neighborhood does here, but my guess is he might take a third running back. Um, for me, the whole thing is that with zero RB, especially this year, is it does feel so uncomfortable to do that. It does feel such an anathema to how the ADPs have worked out that I think people are really getting cozy with just taking three running backs, two out of three running backs, all of that. So for me, it's really an anchor running back max is what I'll do. Um, some rooms do though. I do take, you know, two or three, but for the most part, I really don't love hyper fragile builds just because 
I think running back is such a fragile position overall, both in terms of the touch volume, how that shifted over the last 10 years, guys getting closer and closer to averaging under 20 touches as opposed to averaging 30 touches. Um, that's the kind of thing for me that I really don't love investing a ton of capital in running back overall. If I'm investing in running back, I'm just going to you know see how it goes with one guy. Uh, but we do get Mahomes falling back. Always great to see that. Appreciate appreciate everybody in the room not colluding with me, but allowing me to get Mahomes in the third round. Um, but that's the thing, too. Again, we see the badges here. I know Evan here in the two-hole, a little bit of a wild card sometimes, but probably not a guy to take an unstacked Mahomes. So I felt like if ever there were a room to do it, <laughs> this would have the room to try to push uh, Patrick Mahomes a little bit further. So I think we got a unique Week 17 combo here and Mahomes and Kelsey. So I like this start. I like the start. Joey, see, this feels like a piss boy room. I mean, you see all the badges here, but that's the thing though, is like piss boy rooms aren't the piss boy rooms they used to be. Like, you know, we have the merch out there on Peach Channel with the wide receivers dripping yellow, but you could see, you know, all these guys getting running backs, all these guys getting running backs, red badges. It's not just like the unsharp drafter in a room drafting running backs. And I think that's the big difference this year overall is that um, it is kind of more of a choose your own adventure where you, I believe you'll get rewarded more by going zero RB. But there are a lot of people that believe strongly in the idea of like, hey, I can now get a true running back one in the third round at the end of the second round. Um, that's a thing that is a decision tree you have to make. And it's going to be a unique one compared to previous years where it was so like running back dominant. If you went wide receiver, it's like you're actually making a move that could make you smarter. Here, the running backs are now kind of appropriately priced. So um, it's one of those things where you are making that decision. And I would try to get looks on both, you know. Try to get take some early running backs. Try to take some zero RBs. Definitely try to take some extreme zero RBs. We were taking six receivers through six or seven rounds. Um, that's what I would try to push towards here is just to get off the beaten path a little bit. Third, Mahomes, very nice. Very rarely makes it past the chase drafter. There we go. So I, I am... Again, I'm trying to read the room here. Uh, that is one thing that I got from Pete as a, a piece of wisdom is that the elite QBs fall more in bad rooms. So um, that's something that I, I ended up working out for me here. But a lot of times it doesn't work out. So you never know when you're going to get it to fall. Um, I'm just prepared to deal with the chips falling where they may in any sort of draft. Income the season-long casuals. That is true. It is the time of year for the season-long casuals. And we love them here. We love them even more if they use the promo code SPLASH over at Underdog. But um, definitely a great way here to get into the fantasy football life if you want to have more than your office league. Certainly best ball is a thing that I enjoy a lot more than any redraft league um, I've done at any point in my life. Um, and it's just a lot easier. Like, you know, the doing a team now and being done. Uh, this is me uh, pitching to the season long casuals coming in. Um, you know, just not having to deal with waivers, not having to <laughs> deal with thinking about the team besides sweating it a little bit week to week. And at the end of the season, um, that's what best ball I think is the joy of is you get the joy of the draft and none of the annoying labor intensive coal mine style work at the end. We'll see what we get in our pick coming up here. Uh, I think we can see one guy on the board I wouldn't mind, and I will absolutely take a share of Christian Watson here. 43, two picks after ADP for a guy who's crushing it in training camp. <sighs> Boy, I don't get how Christian Watson's not getting the Calvin Ridley steam, to be honest. Uh, but that's me, obviously, the most biased Calvin, uh, Calvin Watson, Christian Watson drafter. I'm so biased, I can't even say his name correctly. And season managing a team truly sucks the fun and joy out of you. Husk of a person like week 17. Yeah, it's that. It's, you know, the one friend in your league who doesn't update their team. And it's like, you're giving this fucking other guy in our league this easy win. Infuriating things happen on that front. Uh, so definitely, uh, yeah, I, I'm out of the season-long league world for the most part. Even the, the Dynasty League that we have uh, with the ship-chasing guys and those various sub-leagues, that's a best ball league, too, which I appreciate. If you are going to keep a even the same, same people running back and forth in a redraft league or Dynasty, like make it best ball. Don't make people have to actually do waivers.
So now he's got a job at a middle school. If they offer to do a work league, how do I hide that I'm an absolute sicko? I think you lean into it because then people go like, oh, wow, like, you know, all this stuff about this. That's so crazy. That's so cool. Makes you more interesting. So I think I would lean into it more. Um, okay, so we do have the elite tight end with Kelsey. So it doesn't make sense to go Hawkinson's way here. Um, obviously, you have a little bit of a bet on Green Bay. So let's build that out. Aaron Jones, a little bit older than I usually like my running backs. A little bit higher draft capital here. Though, you know what? We could get pretty boxed out at receiver. I'm still going to take Aaron Jones. I'm a little worried about having only two receivers here through five rounds. Um, but we're going to try to dig out of it after this one. Do you like Jones at a little bit of a discount? Jones falls enough that I maybe should have reached for a guy that I want more of. Um, Deontay, I have my issues with, but I don't mind getting to the 8% expected ownership there. Um, Godwin, not so much. Marquise Brown, I don't mind. JSN, I actively want to get more of. And I think maybe I should have reached for JSN there. But can't, again, argue with making a bet on Green Bay. I love a bet on Green Bay. Definitely a team that I expect to uh, be competent this year and also, frankly, have a lot to prove after uh, some acrimony with Aaron Rodgers. He wouldn't renegotiate his deal in Green Bay. Then he goes to the Jets, immediately renegotiates his deal and frees up a lot of cap room. Um, it was a really tense situation, I think, in Green Bay the last few years, and I think they're going to play uh, like a team with a weight off their shoulders. So um, Christian Watson, Aaron Jones, that's how I'm talking myself into that one. I definitely don't lean into it. I gaslight the fuck out of my coworkers and then punish them each year, so I stack up 100 waiver moves. I know when I started at um, Football Outsiders Parent Company, we had like an office league too, and it was like very everybody's very into it, and I was more like reluctant to do it. I was just doing it because I wanted to go along with the flow as like the new guy coming in with a, a role running things and content. And I, you know, I did the league, and honestly, I felt like it it, it demeaned me to do the league. So I could see that logic as well. Uh, but people definitely, you know, are curious. I think it makes you a little bit of a target if they know you know fantasy football. But I think it's also, you know you want your character in an office. Like you want like much like the show, the office, much like the documentary, the office, you want to have your in office character and being the fancy football guy is like not the worst thing in the world compared to being like the, the generate alcoholic guy or something. <laughs> I'd rather have them think I'm the fancy football guy. And then they won't even know you're the degenerate alcoholic guy. Who's just <laughs> ripping a fifth in the bathroom stalls to get through a day. You could just not join in everyone else's advice. Easy way to have something to talk about. There you go. It is, it is like, you know, camaraderie is nice in theory. Um, I am certainly not a person that would have handled a return to office well, and uh, I don't think that a fantasy league would change that too much. Um, we're on the clock here, though. Seeing some interesting picks. I think this is one, though, obviously Michael Pittman getting steamed up here. Great offseason for him. Contract year for Michael Pittman. A little bit of a discount on Miles Sanders, but we are going to risk getting boxed out at receiver if we don't get some more in now. So I will take a little correlation with Jordan Addison, a younger guy. Um, definitely not my favorite receiver pick overall. Just a guy that I think a little bit overvalued coming in because he had such a great college pedigree, was so great at Pitt, and then really was not the player that we hoped he would be at USC. Um, but still good enough, certainly to get drafted with high draft capital. Uh, but learning from Justin Jefferson, a positive thing. Uh, hopefully he can uh, usurp a lot of KJ Osborne's role. I think that's something that's looming a little bit in Minnesota is that Osborne is a guy that's clearly liked a lot by the team. They talk a lot about it in the training camp articles in the athletic. It's just how much KJ Osborne has been a resource for the receiver room and all that um, could be tough for Addison to get Osborne off the field in some situations. Uh, but that said, obviously, high draft capital, the thing we're looking for most. So I can put away um, Addison being the one USC alum that I'm not perpetually stumping for. Let's see what else is going on in the chat. Yeah, there we go. Robert knew I was going to take Addison. 
See any? Oh, the neighborhood. Okay, the neighborhood recovering. This is an interesting one. So if you are going to go with the bimodal early running back here, I think the neighborhood doing a good job getting out of that, getting a lot of young guys too. Uh, Jahan Dotson, I'll point out, I've seen him go in the 90s, and I don't know why lately. Um, I don't know if it's people just thinking that he's not as good as he may seem, whatever the case may be. Uh, definitely a lot of FUD going around for, for Dotson. Um, I'm going to take Traylon Burks here as kind of a, a tier break, I think, at receiver coming up. Um, nothing correlating here with Burks, but still a guy that has upside, even though obviously Hopkins being in Tennessee going to not be great for him. Uh, but this feels about the range where Burks should go. Like he and Quentin Johnson, I think, kind of similar bets. Um, George Pickens should go higher, but that's neither here nor there. Great, uh, great quote from George Pickens, who I'm certainly biased towards as a guy that was great in all the advanced metrics I talk about, the EPA, estimated points addicts, uh, added metric, as well as DVOA, uh, but also a player that had a nice quote about how much he loves aggressively blocking because if he's not getting the ball, he wants people to see him on the field mauling somebody. Um, that's the kind of thing that gets you over in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I think especially, uh, you don't hear Deontay Johnson saying that one. Deontay Johnson just wants the ball so he can catch it nice and safely. You know, George Pickens wants you to either throw him the ball or he's going to abuse a defensive back. If you don't throw him the ball, um, that's the kind of attitude I want for my second year guy. Um, Pickens is such a beast in waiting Pickens and Watson. Really? Whenever I get them on the same team, I am incredibly stoked. Folks are wrong about Dotson, man, it's the truth. I like Dotson a lot. I mean, I think it could be Dotson maybe coming down because of the negative uh, camp reports so far about both Howell and Brissett. Uh, so that's something that maybe markets responding a little bit to that, but I don't get it. I mean, Dotson showed a ceiling last year. I think McLaurin's the better receiver. McLaurin, again, being a good receiver is going to open things underneath for Dotson and give him some opportunity. And McLaurin also, for as good as he is, is not like a red zone end zone target guy. Dotson flashed a little bit of that last year so. Um, Dotson to me is a guy, if he's falling in drafts, like I, I really want to get him more if he's going to fall in some of those rooms. And I'm telling you again, it's those after 10 PM rooms after 9 PM rooms on underdog as well, uh, where you do get Dotson falling a little bit, including one I was doing last night. Um, all right. We got one, one, four, one here. Alvin, uh, Alvin Kamara doesn't make any sense for us. Pacheco falling. Um, hmm. I can get weird and take Neric Prince later and get Sky more now and get my double with the guy who's actually going to be playing for KC. I am going to get Sky more here. Um, I like Pacheco. I think he's at a nice value here, but he's not far enough behind ADP for me to feel like I need to go there necessarily. Do you want to get my fifth receiver in the door? Five through 10 is always my goal, but getting that a little bit earlier, even better. And Sky is one of those guys, because I have so much Kadarius Tony, as I talked about yesterday, I still think Kadarius Tony is a wide receiver one, the guy you want to go out of your way to get. But Sky Moore is a guy that is healthy, is out there now. And I think we'll also be able to run some of those routes that Kadarius Tony has run in the past. Um, just those ones behind the line of scrimmage, getting into motion, being able to get into space there. Um, so Sky is a guy to me that I want to do. I do want to up my bags here, even though his price obviously has come up a lot throughout the offseason. Michael Thomas over Burks over Tony. I like Michael Thomas too, but he is old and he is coming off of a lot of injuries. I know again, the football Twitter doctors, not the biggest fans of Michael Thomas in that, in that capacity, just because he's been hurt for basically uh, two or three straight years in a row, uh, but did look good numerically last year. So I do like Michael Thomas more than the field, uh, but I'm already above the field on Michael Thomas. So I'm not going out of my way to get there necessarily. Uh, but great camp reports for him. Apparently he's been very involved with Derek Carr. Um, there was one stretch I saw on the athletic report about yesterday and everything I'm citing for the most part is going to be athletic. I don't really care about the fucking local TV news people and what they think. Uh, but they did mention that uh, my, uh, Michael Thomas basically was getting targeted on every single play for new Orleans. 
Um, so definitely some potential there for him to be the Devontae Adams. Uh, you know, not that that mattered that much for Derek Carr last year, uh, but for Adams, it did. So I think that's something that I'm certainly hoping to. And I think that Michael Thomas can be. Um, we are on the clock here again. We've got our five receivers. Uh, no obvious correlations in immediate range here. I don't want Dalvin, I don't think. I am going to take Rashad Penny here. Yeah, I'll take Rashad Penny here. Really no issue. Uh, Penny does sometimes fall in rooms still. I don't think he should. Um, feels like he's going to be moving immediately towards a starting role for week one. Uh, and Rashad Penny, a guy that I have a lot of so far this offseason. Uh, let's see what I'm at in best ball mania. 16.5%, so I'll add a little bit more into that for Rashad Penny, but I have no issue with it. I've got enough DeAndre Swift as well. Um, I think I have almost the field's amount of Gainwell. Uh, yeah, I'm at 7.8% Gainwell. So to me, Penny is my favorite bet out of that backfield. Just so good in terms of what he's done when he's been able to stay on the field. Can he stay on the field? We'll find out, but I think he can. Thomas fits Carr's passing metrics perfectly. I mean... Michael Thomas has been a little more of a short a dot guy. So I wouldn't necessarily say that, but I do think Carr wants like a big bodied guy that can kind of bail him out of some of these spots. And then it opens it up for him to take those deep shots downfield uh, to an Olave to a Rashid Shahid. So I think it's a pretty good match overall for Carr, even if like, like Devonte Adams was the perfect match for Carr. I think a guy who can uh, get those PPR easy kind of targets, but also get downfield and stretch it vertically. Uh, but I think New Orleans is really well set up for Carr and you don't pay a guy that much money without a plan on how to use him and get the most out of him. And that's part of why, too, like I, I'll take some Taysom. I do think you should have Taysom Hill as part of your portfolio, but I'm not going on my way to get Taysom because I just think it's going to be harder for them to give him those, hey, here's a sneaky quarterback snap like snap to give him um, because you want Carr out there. You're paying him so much money. You want him to produce relative to that. And the more you just give Taysom those kind of gimmicky reps, the more you're just giving Carr less at-bats to get the home run play, to get that ball downfield, or to get great value for Michael Thomas. So um, that's one to me that I, I'm very much team Derek Carr. And frankly, he goes cheaper than Taysom in some drafts. And I don't think that should be the case. Jason Williams is still too high in ADP injury slash suspension. Not sure why he's that high. Maybe for upside in the playoffs. I mean, he is a guy who could take the top off of the defense. Um, I don't mind Jameson Williams to this range. You are sort of, I don't even think you're paying a premium because he was going in the fifties before the uh, gambling suspension stuff. Um, the one issue is that he has played like shit at camp so far and uh, frankly didn't show enough last year for me to have the full sign off of faith for him. Um, but still, you know, I really have no issue with him. It's just, uh, you know, your mileage may vary. Um, all right. What are we going to do here? We definitely need a lot more running back still. I don't think I want to take Kirk Cousins here. I'm just going to be the guy who keeps taking Charbonnet. I mean, it's just like a shoulder injury, not great, especially for a brutal runner like Charbonnet is, but he's still got six weeks, five weeks until the season. Um, and really for me, now that I do have these two running backs here, Aaron Jones and Rashad Penny, I really don't need Charbonnet to be on the field and be involved until later in the year anyway. So this is the kind of build in particular where I have no issue taking Charbonnet when he falls right into your lap. Um, but it does feel like Charbonnet is going to start to go closer to somewhere around this range, the 115 to 125 range, a little bit more. So you could probably hold that on Charbonnet, but I just want to get more running backs in. Saints running back room is a mess, just like Philly's. Just got to take a little of all of them, I guess. 
I mean, I still think the play is Kendra Miller. Um, obviously, having Kamara there, having Williams there on an okay contract, not great for Miller. But if you are trying to capture the the pure ceiling at the time where you need it the most, um, I hate, really think that's Kendra Miller there. Um, but, you know, you're right that it's certainly a thing where you could play it as a probability or you could love Kendra. You take 12 to 16% Kendra, and then you take 6 to 8% of both Kamara and Williams, and you're covering that backfield pretty well, and you'll have a quarter of your lineups dedicated to that backfield, and hopefully one of them will sort of... Uh, rise up meaningfully. Um, this is actually a build where Jarek McKinnon makes sense, but it's also one where we can maybe get to Eric Prince at the end of the draft. So that's something to think about as well. Um, I am going to take McKinnon though. Not my favorite player, much like Pete has talked about, but still a guy that correlates a guy that I don't need now because of this running back room. But if he does give me spike weeks, he can be there. And I just, yeah, I would like to get more McKinnon. I don't know that I need a crazy amount here. Um, but I have, I'm actually, wow, I'm above the field on McKinnon. I think I was buying him when he was a little bit cheaper, uh, but I'm at 8.7% McKinnon in best ball mania. So I will add that, but now I know that <laughs> officially, this is why you need the draft caddy from brick or the spike week overlay tool. Uh, so you could know live here, but I'm, I'm not paying for those. I don't want to, I don't want it to clog up the stream when you could see me, you could, I don't want to distract attention from all this beauty right here. Anyone else taking a decent amount of McKenzie with their AR stacks? That is the guy I would take the least of. Josh Downs take. Um, Josh Downs the same price, and he's also AR's roommate, and he was a monster um, at UNC playing out of the slot. He, was, um, he wasn't quite JSN uh, the year before last, uh, which is the numbers that I look at for JSN, but Josh Downs is you know right there with JSN in terms of slot production, and uh, McKenzie is like, you know, is that, but without the college production or any pro production, at least to me. You know, again, everybody's takes, I'll say it all the time on this channel, your take in July and August is going to be as valid as mine. Like we can all say that we'll see how the season plays out. Um, but taking the guy with some draft capital, who's rooming with the, the star QB and waiting, uh, I think is always going to be a good move. The shower narrative to quote, I think Adam Levitan who coined that one. Big run on running backs here. No surprise. Jamal Williams, Jalen Warren, a uh, Warren's got a pretty wide band. I feel like of where he gets picked these days. Um, if you're in more casual rooms, it feels like Warren falls pretty heavily because casual rooms tend to like Najee a little bit more. Um, I've gotten Warren in the late 140s recently, which uh, is odd for me because I have so much Jalen Warren at these various price points. I've been taking him the entire offseason. He's one of my now highest exposed players. Uh, but something to keep in mind here that if you are somebody grabbing Warren at 120-ish, uh, there are some rooms we're going to get him in the 140s now because people just don't. Um, casual drafters, I think in particular, don't like a backup, even if they have a role, they just like, they don't like those guys very much on the clock. Again, nobody wants to take Kirk cousins, huh? If you guys don't want to take Kirk cousins, you don't have to, you don't have to tempt me with a good time. I'll take Kirk cousins then. Do they have different buys. Okay. They have different buys. So we're okay on that front. Definitely more of a Jordan love build, but I might just take both uh, cousins going, uh, 18 spots. No, more than that. Going 27 spots after ADP. That's too much of a fall for Kirk Cousins. Why did he not get drafted? Oh, because Sam Duell has fields. That's why. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Where's the Hawkinson guy? Hawkinson guy's got Allen. Okay. So that's why Kirk Cousins falls, is the, the Jefferson guy's got fields. The Hawkinson guy's got Allen. I'll take it. Here we go. A nice ADP value. Is it worth the howl? Is Pete still howling on his streams? I don't even feel like he's not doing that much these days. So the, the value hound howl may be over, but oh, all the same. 
it's just fun to howl. Out of all of his bits, I feel like that's the one you keep is the one where you get to make a fun sound effect. But that's me, of course. I like to I like to do my silly voice. There's a lot of compliments on my my fake reporter voice the other day, so I'll take that. Okay, I'm not going to bust it out now, of course. There's no context. you got to have context for your silly voices. How would I rank the Giants wide receivers? Um, differently, so if we're counting Waller as one of them, Waller, to me, just the camp reports on him are so glowing that I now have to overlook the fact that he cost me so much fucking money last year. Um, so he would be a guy. Uh, you know what? If Osborne's here, too, I don't love making a bet against Justin Jefferson, but but maybe this is a year where everybody brackets Justin Jefferson and KJ Osborne can go off. So I will take him as my as my sixth receiver. Uh, but Waller, I think overall for the Giants, he's the most likely to be the highest upside receiving player. Um, so he would be the guy I'd prioritize the most, and the ADPs go that way anyway. Um, Hyatt getting in with the first team is definitely a positive for him. I didn't see that one coming right away. Um, Hyatt was so good in college, but it was in a gimmicky Tennessee offense. So that's something that you kind of have to slide him down a little bit. But my concern was just him getting in and being able to get on the field. So the fact that he's getting first team reps at all, I think is a positive for him. And I do think that matters a little bit more than Pete does. Um, like just being in with the first team is a sign of like how they're viewing you, how they're following you away. Um, especially if it's early in camp, obviously at the end of camp, it's the most beneficial if you're running first team reps. Um, but Hyatt to me is a guy that I think should probably be a little bit higher. Um, and I like Slayton a lot. I think Slayton would be the guy that he probably gets hurt if Hyatt's involved just because of the deep targets going more Hyatt's way. So I think it would be Waller, Hyatt, Slayton for me. And I would put Hodgins behind those guys, I think. Hodgins to me is like a, another journeyman vet kind of guy who ha doesn't have big money behind him. Um, Slayton got paid more. Um, obviously, Hyatt has a higher draft capital, so... I think Hodgins is the one guy who's kind of inappropriately priced just because people were like, ooh, he had some fun games last year, and he did have some fun games, but it's not the kind of player that I think teams build around long-term just because of what's been invested there. Yeah, Slayton going at the end of drafts is a steal. I, I agree. Like He was one of the best outside receivers in the league. I'll, I'll pull up Slayton numbers here, but they really jump out um, if you dig into the EPA numbers and all that. Uh, Slayton, you .37 EPA per target, which would be in like Justin Jefferson range. A 13% receiving DVOA, another good number. Uh, not terrible target per out run rate, but not killing it or anything. 17% target per out run rate. Where he really excelled was the deep targets, though, and that's sort of my concern. Um, he had about one deep target a game, 50% catch rate. So that's the kind of thing that like uh, Hyatt could eat away at a little bit. But I think Hyatt's going to make enough mistakes that Slayton is still out there. So I would put Hyatt above because you should put the rookies above. Um, but Slayton to me is like he and Terrace Marshall, as I've said a bunch of times, those two in the 18th round feel great. Like they are the, the wide receiver equivalent of taking a, a Musgrave or mayor for me in terms of the late draft picks. Yeah. I'm not a Paris Campbell guy. I think Paris Campbell's the one who just a lot of, I think that's an error. I think is the, the Paris Campbell stuff personally. Um, this is like, you know, weird camp reports about him being a little more involved than I think he'll actually be in the season. All right. We got a one, two, four, six, one. Definitely could use another running back. I'm going to go Jerome Ford here. So two drafts today for me with Jerome Ford, but that's fine. Uh, player I have no issue with taking him one pick ahead of ADP. Um, just need another body in at running back because I feel pretty good about the team. I'll read it out loud. We got Mahomes and Cousins at QB. Aaron Jones, Rashad Penny, Zach Charbonnet, Jarek McKinnon, Jerome Ford at running back. Receiver T. Higgins, Christian Watson, Jordan Addison, Traylon Burks, Sky Moore, and KJ Osborne. And a tight end, Travis Kelsey. This is a 
is a different team that I normally would build for myself, but I do have target earners and guys who are leveraged against other target earners who are going to be higher drafted. So I do like the mix for this team, even if it is a little bit out of my, uh, my usual comfort zone. Mm-mm. If Slayton doesn't drop all those balls, he's a clear number one there. Um, yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it. Certainly drop rate, not a great thing. No, it's not like Slayton's getting the best catchable ball rate either from Daniel Jones, but um, certainly something where, you know, they paid him enough money. They're doing enough things for him that I would certainly expect him to be um, heavily involved either way. But we're on the clock. Uh, I got nothing with Houston, Tennessee. Oh, no, I have Traylon Burks. Okay, so Ty J Spears does make some sense. We'll take Ty J here. Um, I would have considered taking a falling Jordan Love, but he ends up going a little bit ahead of uh, where that would have been. So he goes at the turn here to Sam Duel, uh, who takes Jaden Reed as well. And I would say for, for the Packers, I know people love Romeo Dobbs. I do think that Jordan Love with Christian Watson and Jaden Reed um, is my favorite Packers double stack to go to. Um, Jaden Reed looking good so far at camp. Wasn't great in college, which kind of worries me always if the guys aren't outliers in college. Like, how likely are they to be an outlier against increased competition, increased athleticism, and all that stuff? Um, that said, they're manufacturing touches for Jaden Reed. He's playing out of the slot. And again, getting Randall Cobb comparisons from other Packers. Like, that's a very nice thing to hear for Jaden Reed if you are looking for early signals for a rookie. Team is fire spags. I'm jealous. I appreciate it. I think, yeah, I think this team has got some unique levers to it that I like. Obviously, getting Mahomes as a value is a nice thing. I worry that the running backs kind of got away from me. Um, didn't get some of my usual hits. Like I would love to get a Javante in this kind of build. Would love to get um A Chain, Kendra Miller, Elijah Mitchell in this kind of build. But I think that's part of what makes this build appealing to me is that I did get a little bit outside the box for myself, and I did get some other running backs who were. I think equally competent, but just in different ways and certainly less comfy for me to pick, um, which is a big part of these streams. Me doing it five days a week here on Splash Play is that I do want to get outside my comfort zone a little bit with my picks. Shout out to all you guys hanging out with me here. Of course, if you are new around here or regular and you're not subscribed, I think about 45% of the people that watch Splash Play videos don't subscribe to the channel. Please subscribe. We're trying to get to 3K subs on here. This is now my full-time work. The rest of this offseason is going to be here on Splash Play. Five days a week of streams. Honestly, maybe more if I really get feeling myself. Uh, but please subscribe here down below. Hit the like button. Leave a comment if you have any questions, if you have any player takes you want to hear from me, even if you're trying to fade it, uh, just feel free to drop it down in the comments below. I always reply to everything because I appreciate your time. I, there's a lot of best ball streams out there. I could feel it now that I'm committing myself to five days a week, but um, I will be here for you guys and I will give you my takes always. And if they're right, then we will victory lap. And if they are wrong, I will go, well, that was, you know, the data said something else. <laughs> the data said uh, that this is going to be great. All right, we're on the clock here. 2661. And we got Mechie falling. Mechie it is. This is nice. This goes with our little Tennessee bet. We have Tajay. We have Traylon Burks. We have Mechie, who is healthy, full go. Uh, nine picks after ADP for no particular reason. Uh, one thing I will point out for the Texans. So this guy not working with the starters is working with the Davis Mills group in Houston. Uh, but Xavier Hutchinson has caught 250-yard passes um, in practice for Houston so far. So... Something to note for a guy that I think is kind of an interesting flyer. Probably more interesting in a 20-round draft. Maybe you take him on drafting sometimes. But Xavier Hutchinson is the only like big-bodied, fast, downfield guy that they have in that entire receiver room. Uh, so the fact he's already getting 50-yard bombs from anybody, I think, is kind of a positive for him. Though I do like Mechie a little bit more. Uh, what am I? <laughs> Y'all are ridiculous. This guy is showing us his titties for what? I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't know if the reference is here, but it seems out of character for Bullock, so I'll read it out loud. Thanks, Spag's got Spears and Ford. One of those guys will be taking over a few games due to injuries, probably. I, I hope so. I, I mean, I, I don't hope so. I don't hope for an injury, but I do hope that my guys get an opportunity to show the skills they have. That's how we're going to PR spin this one. We don't root for injuries here, but we are rooting for these guys to get a chance to flex out there. Interesting pocket of the draft here. Kenny McIntosh, Evan Hole. First time I've seen those guys drafted anywhere, but they are the contingent value in both their spots, Seattle and Indianapolis, respectively. Uh, but we are on the clock here. I do need a second tight end, and there's one that I'm hoping is still here. Yep, Luke Musgrave is still here. Uh, sorry to Sam, uh, who has uh, the Jordan Love guy, uh, the Jordan Love drafter, rather. But I like Luke Musgrave, and I will have him in a Minnesota stack. I'll tell you what. So the team right now here heading into the 18th, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Jones, Rashad Penny, Charbonnet, Jarek McKinnon, Jerome Ford, Ty J Spears, receiver Higgins, Watson, Addison, Burks, Moore, Osborne, Mechie, and a tight end, Kelsey and Musgrave. This is a solid team. The thing that I like the most about it is we are getting fairly direct leverage on Jamar Chase with Higgins, getting fairly direct leverage on uh, Justin Jefferson with Osborne and Addison, um, and also, I guess, on Hawkinson a little bit there. So. If this team can make it to week 17, and obviously that's the big part, that's the most difficult part of any best ball team is actually surviving the war of attrition that gets you there. Um, but if it can make it there, we now have levers against really highly owned guys, and that feels pretty good to me. Um, I still would prefer to get Jefferson with Watson. Like, that's my ideal week 17 pairing of a Minnesota-Green Bay game, but got leverage against them. No generic prints on DK, like as he, he's not in the tournament. I actually didn't know if that's a thing. I'll find out though. I actually think Thursday for people who've wanted me to do a DraftKings draft, I think I'm going to do one on Thursday. I think tomorrow, um, same thing as always here. I'll be going live again around 1130. I'll try to, you know, it's honest, it's going to be 1130 and I'll probably have some overlap with Pete's, uh, Pete's double header stream with Sean Siegel and Pat Crane tomorrow. Uh, but that's the goal here is basically to go live at 1130 every day for now. And we'll see how that timing works out. Um, but on Thursday, strap in because I do think that's going to be my first on-stream DK draft this offseason. So I'll pull up the shitty board. I'll get timed out on picks when it doesn't notify me correctly. It'll be a lot of fun for everybody, I'm sure. He's not in the player pool. The only prince is Jerry Prince. <laughs> They're Jerry with an I, too. Okay. Interesting name. Is Jerry Prince the world's first female football player as Jacksonville's four-string tight end? That's how much I wonder. How many BBM four drafts have I done? This will be my, uh, mm, mm, mm. this is my 105th right now. So it's tough for me because now I have to figure out how to save enough to do on stream because I only want to stream the BBM drafts for the most part. Um, so I need to make sure to save some here, but I'm probably doing one a night on my own ish, you know, maybe not every night and I'll do the ones on stream and that's going to be my output and should put me safely at 150, I hope, but. Um, I got to check the fill rate, though, because that is something that we need to be mindful of, both content creators as well as you guys out there. 52% uh, fill rate right now, um, so we should be safe theoretically, but that can really ramp up in August, especially if they don't uh, put out another puppy or anything to kind of divert people's attention. Uh, but, but, but All right, we're on the clock. 2672. Feels like a pure luxury pick to me. Or anything I can do to enhance these bets? Let me see. We got Justin Ross went, right? Richie James went. How about a Justin Watson share? Why not? 
You can make the case take a seventh running back, but I hate taking a seventh running back. I like to cap myself at six. So we'll take Justin Watson, add him to the squad here. So we have Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins at QB, Jones, Penny, Charbonnet, McKinnon, Ford, Spears, a running back, a receiver, Higgins, Watson, Addison, Burks, Sky Moore, KJ Osborne, John Mechie, and Justin Watson. So we're really fading Kadarius, Tony, and fading these other guys pretty heavily, but Watson doesn't get drafted, and he probably should. Um, Travis Kelsey, Musgrave at tight end. This is a unique Mahomes stack that we got at a value. I feel pretty good about this team, though. I guess the fact that I got Mahomes at such a value, I maybe could have gone with a chalkier Chief stack, and that would have been okay. Um, but we didn't do that. We didn't do that. Three million to Daddy Spags coming up. Thank you, Bullock. I can only hope. I think I think I'm due personally. Um, and also for the record, just so you guys, because you are hanging on here with me at the stream, um, the same giveaway that I was going to do last year when I was a BBM3 finalist will apply this year. Um, I'm going to fund five people, uh, full BBM5 entries. If I somehow win BBM, um, I will fund five people's BBM entries. If you're a subscriber of Splash Play, it's not a full giveaway here, but I am going to tell you guys that that's going to be a thing that is part of my plan for the year. And the draft is completed. So, yeah, let's uh, let's name it. I honestly don't think you guys need to see me name it, but I'll, I'll make you watch anyway. Uh, SP, Casey, Mahomes, Val, and Min. Okay, actually Min Green Bay. There we go. That's it, guys. So again, we will be doing this again tomorrow here. I'm going to cut myself off after one draft, but I'll be back tomorrow again, 11.30 a.m., so right towards the tail end of Pete's doubleheader stream. Uh, please come hang out with me then. I'll be doing this every day, five days a week. Not, so not every day, every work day, five days a week. So follow me at Chris Spag. Still tweeting out daily-ish fantasy football takes about my exposures. Follow the show at Splash Play Pod. I know whenever we go live, but I appreciate all of you hanging out with me here, taking the leap after Pete's channel. Of course, doing the Splash Play show on there. There, but come back tomorrow. Come hang out with me. I will be here for you guys talking about training camp, obsessively reading articles, giving you the breaks, all that stuff that I could possibly do here. Uh, so come hang out. And of course, subscribe down below, hit the like button, leave a comment. All that stuff helps us grow the channel as much as it possibly can. And I'll be back with you guys tomorrow around the same time. So enjoy your days. And of course, good luck. Bye. <music>